The Everyday Style School podcast is sponsored by The Style Circle, the monthly membership where you can learn all the skills you need to ditch wardrobe overwhelm, style yourself like a pro, and gain the confidence you deserve. The Style Circle offers classes, wardrobe guides, support, and personalized advice from me. It's the most affordable way to get the professional style guidance you've always wanted. Head over to youreverydaystyle.com to get started today. Hello, gorgeous. Welcome back to the Everyday Style School podcast. I am super excited about today's conversation. I told you that in the last few weeks of 2020, we'd be sharing some interviews about things I'm interested in, and today is one of those days. A couple of weeks ago, we heard all about the Enneagram, and I hope you loved that episode, and I hope you loved hearing all about my personality test obsession. But there is another thing I'm really passionate about, and that's women owning businesses. Seriously, I am a small business bully, aggressively encouraging every woman I know to turn what she's good at into a paying gig. If you bake me a good cookie, I'm going to try to talk you into starting a cookie business. If you're super organized, I'm going to encourage you to start charging people for it. I believe that every woman is great at something and every woman can be and should be getting paid for it. Often when I meet women and I tell them what I do for a living, I hear things like, I would love to start a business, but I don't know where to start, or I don't even know what I would do, or I don't have the time. So maybe you've always been curious about starting your own business, or maybe you find yourself in a little bit of a strange place career-wise right now, and you're thinking, what else could I do? Is this the time to go out on my own? If any of that sounds like you, I think you're going to love today's episode. Today, we are welcoming business coach and entrepreneurial superstar, Megan Flatt, to the show to give us some direction and guidance, and maybe even give you the push you need to start something of your own. Megan is the founder of Let's Collective, a business growth strategy firm devoted to making entrepreneurship easier and helping women-owned businesses scale. Megan has been an entrepreneur all her life. She's helped hundreds of women turn their big ideas into day-to-day plans where they actually happen. I love that. While eliminating stress and removing the overwhelm from business ownership, you can almost always find Megan with a latte in hand, a stack of post-its at the ready, and a random Lego figure in her pocket. We're going to have to hear more about that. Hi, Megan. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Jennifer. I'm so excited to be here. I am so excited to talk to you, although I talk to you all the time, because in full disclosure, I should tell everyone that you, Megan, are my business coach. You are my strategy whiz and my sounding board. My husband loves that I have someone else to ask my business questions to. And honestly, you have talked me down from quite a few proverbial ledges in 2020. I think that's the first thing about, you know, running your own business or just in general is having someone, having someone who you can talk to about those things. That's not your spouse. That's not your best friend. That's not your mom. You know, someone that you can go to and say, I'm thinking about this, or I'm nervous about this and, and getting their opinion. I think that's super important for all of us to have, whether it's a business coach or whatever type of support you need in your life. Yeah, without a doubt. Like I was saying to my sister this morning, it's been great to have somebody who isn't personally invested in my stuff. You know what I mean? Who can see things objectively, who, you know, when I am on a little bit of a negative path, I don't continue to keep going down it and down it because I you know, with your husband, you're going to show him all the worst parts of you with someone else. You kind of hold that back a little bit and maybe keep a little bit of perspective. So business owners, if you are out there and you have not invested in somebody who is not your husband or your sister or your best friend to at least be a sounding board for you, I highly, highly, highly recommend it. Okay. I am so excited for our conversation, but this is a podcast about style and we ask all of our guests the same three questions. Are you ready? I'm more stressed about these three questions than I am about any of the business advice, but I'm ready. <laughs> okay. Well, this is they're, they're easy, I promise. In three words, describe your personal style. So casual, comfy, and then I cheated. Pop of surprise is my last one. <laughs> okay. Now we're going to have to get clarification on pop of surprise. What does that mean to you? So I love a statement necklace. I am obsessed with statement necklaces, and I think that 
Um, I love to buy them. I love to wear them. And I love to wear something that's casual and comfortable, but then throw on a statement necklace or throw on a bright red lip or a great huge cocktail ring or something that elevates just the way I feel about myself while still allowing me to be casual and comfortable. I love that. I have never met a statement necklace I didn't love, honestly. I just, like, I love wearing them with t-shirts. I love wearing them with sweatshirt dresses. I'll wear them with anything. I just think they're so fun. I have to tell you a quick statement necklace funny story. When about a couple of years, probably two, three years ago, when we got out our Halloween decoration box, I found some old costume jewelry that I don't even know where it came from, but it was in the Halloween decoration box. And I was like, oh my gosh, these are amazing. They were like these bright pink beads and I pulled them out. I wear them all the time now. And they started out as Halloween decorations. I love that. I love that. You never know where you're going to find great style and great inspiration. Love it. Love it. Okay. Second question. If I gave you $500 to spend on clothes in one store for yourself, no buying for your kids, what store would you choose and what would you like to add to your wardrobe? This one, this one was really hard because I, I, I'm not sure of the store, but I think that I would definitely get some type of, like I just said, with that pop of surprise, I definitely think I would get some type of statement piece or um, like possibly like a really great pair of boots, like like knee high or thigh high leather boots, or something that just um, again would be that pop of surprise thing. Because I I could spend five hundred dollars, like if I spent five hundred dollars on my casual and comfy clothes, my like room would be overflowing. So I think I would definitely go for some type of great jacket or some great boots or a really great um, piece of jewelry. Love that. Uh, so the thigh high boots, I love, I love over the knee boots and I don't know how long they're going to hang on as a trend, I know. but I just love them. I think they look so cute with an oversized sweater and, you know, either leather leggings or, or skinny jeans. I just think they're so fabulous. I could spend $500 just on those. Leather leggings. That sounds good. I might, I might put that on my one thing that I would buy. That's so funny. You know, I've put leather the Spanx leggings in all of our winter capsules for probably the last three years. They're one of the pieces that we've reused a lot. And every woman in the beginning was like, Ooh, those are scary. And by the end of winter, those are the favorite piece. Women are so glad that they invested a little bit extra in those. Like they are so versatile and we show them with everything from like a Sherpa sweatshirt to, um, you know, a great sweater and booties. Like they are really, really versatile, but I will say you got to spend a little bit extra on them. So they're not just like cheap kind of plasticky feeling. So I would say either like the Lazé leggings from Nordstrom or the Spanx are probably the best, but check them out, girl. You're going to love them. I have looked at those Spanx. I'm going to buy them this afternoon because I have looked at those leggings so many times. Just do it. And haven't pulled the trigger. So I'm going to do it because I, you're the, you're the guru and I will take your advice. Okay. So on a totally unrelated note, one thing I bought today and I don't need them for 2020 because I don't know where the heck I would wear these, but I was like, you know, the holidays will roll around next year. Banana Republic had these crazy, they're a high waisted wide leg Pull on pant. Pull on is kind of the key here, but they're bronze and they're sequins. The whole pants are sequins. Amazing. See, for I love 40 that. bucks. I love that. I have a pair of sequin. My, an old holiday outfit is like wearing like a pink sweatshirt with a pair of sequin pants. Cause I, I love that. I get to be casual and comfy. And then that one pop. Yeah, exactly. Pop of surprise. I think my big sequin pants are probably more than a pop of surprise, but <laughs> still 40 bucks for sequin pants. I couldn't pass it up. Okay. I love it. So number three, last, before we get into the good stuff is what item of clothing that you currently wear is your favorite and why? I am wearing them as we speak. It is, this is for 2020. They've become my favorite and it's a pair of camo joggers from Athleta because another stylist friend of mine would give me a hard time because I was living in yoga pants Mm -hmm. and I was, she recommended these to me as a way, again, the casual and comfy, but just to feel a little more pulled together, a little more elevated. So on days when I have a long work day and I am going to be sitting for a long time and I like to have a comfortable waistband if, waistband if I'm going to be sitting at my desk for a long day and you know, I want to be comfortable. Um, but 
feeling, you know, feeling a little more pulled together, these, these joggers with, again, a great pair of shoes and a nice top and a necklace. And I, I still, I kind of get the best of both worlds there. Yes, absolutely. Doesn't mean that we have to be frumpy and dumpy and feeling bad about ourselves just because, you know, we're kind of in a comfy pant kind of life right now. And for a lot of us, like I know you work from home all the time too. When I work from home, like comfy pants, 2020 was not really a new thing for comfy comfy pants for a lot of us. But um, there's no reason that you have to have ugly comfy pants. You can have super cute, super stylish comfy pants. Exactly. All right. I always love these questions because I feel like we get to know our, know our guests a lot better. But let's get into why you really came on the show today. First of all, tell us a little bit about yourself, who you are, and how you got started. Yes. Well, again, thank you so much for having me. I was just really looking forward to this conversation. So my name is Megan and I am a business growth strategist. I work with female identifying entrepreneurs to help them scale their business and basically make entrepreneurship easier. So many of my clients are solo business owners, meaning uh, they're, they're running their business mostly by themselves. They maybe have some support um, but they're mostly a kind of a one woman show. And that means you're wearing all of the hats and you are responsible for doing all of the things all of the time. And so my goal is to really show these women that they can be successful and it can be sustainable at the same time. And that through strategic planning, through getting the right support, through creating programs that bring in consistent revenue, you can you can have that entrepreneurial lifestyle and not be completely overwhelmed or at least not be overwhelmed all the time. Cause I think overwhelm is inevitable in all of our lives at some point, but at least to have a strategy to move forward from that. I love that. So when you started your business, did it look the same as it does today or were you serving a different kind of, of business owner? What has been kind of your evolution in business? Yeah, I love this question. So there's a really interesting book by Pamela Slim called Your Body of Work. And in that book, she talks about this red thread and how as a society, we're at a place where, you know, our our parents' generation or maybe our grandparents' generation, they, they kind of had one career for 35 years. And we are kind of in this generation where we might change jobs or change careers or really change pathways more often. But this idea in this book is that we have some, some values and some beliefs and the way we want to show up in the world that follow us through these different career transitions. And so for me, that's very much been true. I've always wanted to help women make their lives easier. So even in, in college, I was teaching children swim lessons. And part of that was making sure that, that um, parents and mothers were able to keep their children safe. It made motherhood easier if they had children that knew how to swim. And as I transitioned into different, I worked, I uh, had a career as a personal trainer for a long time and I focused on pre and postnatal fitness. So again, it was about helping my female clients be healthy and take care of themselves and make their lives easier because they were, um, you know, healthy and, and all of, all of those things. And then I shifted from there because I was working in the fitness industry. I was working so much with women and so much with mothers that it became a natural transition to start to talk about what they were doing with the rest of their time. And I've always been really interested in organization and project management and time management. And as new moms, a lot of my clients were wanting to know, you know, how do I find time to do all of the things that are important to me? And so I started really helping my clients and then started offering it as a separate, you know, we're talking about side hustles today, offering it as kind of a separate business to help, uh, specifically moms get organized, whether that meant cleaning out a playroom or planning a dinner party or start a business. And what I found was that then when I was working with clients who wanted to do those different things, it was the clients that wanted to start businesses that, that lit me up the most, that I was the most excited about. Mm -hmm. And I had, 
I've been an entrepreneur my whole life. My claim to fame is I've never had a nine to five job. I've never worked for someone else, um, except back wow. back when I was in you know high school and college. But I've never I've never had a boss. I've never um, worked, and that's not entirely true here and there. But for the most part, I've never been in corporate America. I've always been an entrepreneur. And so you were talking about how you're a business bully. I feel like I am too. I just love entrepreneurship. I love talking about entrepreneurship. I love encouraging other people to start their businesses. And so that's really where it started from. It was it was talking to these women who now had babies at home and they were smart, driven, Ivy League de- degrees, successful women. And they were faced with this challenge, this, this decision to make, right? Like, do I leave my child home with a nanny and go back to my corporate job? Or do I quit my corporate job and stay home with my child, but miss out on all of that hard work that I've put into my education and my career? And I really felt like we could do both. I really felt like that entrepreneurship was the way to be available to your family, be, you know, I love to be able to get my kids to school and, and pick them up and volunteer in their classrooms and all of those things, but that I can also have a fulfilling career that's important to me and that I can, that I can blend those two things. So that was really that, that progression. And then uh, recently I realized that I don't want to just help mothers, although I do love my clients who are, again, juggling those two things. Um, but I just wanted to help all women and, and anyone who identifies as a, as a woman find that, that freedom, especially because so much of entrepreneurship is dominated by, by men, um, especially when it comes to revenue producing um, ventures. That actually brings me to my next question about why having a business or even a side hustle is a good idea even now or maybe especially right now. And I had kind of thought about saving this show for the new year, but I feel like December is really good thinking time, right? There's some time where you're wrapping presents or you're just having your quiet coffee in the morning. December is not good doing time because our plates are so full, but I I want women to go into January with the spark of an idea. But why are businesses, even side hustles, a good idea right now these days? Yeah, I'm nodding my head along with you while you're asking the question. And and again, what you said in your intro too, I so am aligned. I think there's so many reasons why uh, women owning businesses and even side hustles and even in an economy or a year like we've had, I think it's important. And I feel like we could spend the entire episode just talking mm-hmm. about this. But um, first, I think I think women are wired to want to make an impact and and so I think that's the first reason why we should be starting businesses, because I think we are just hardwired for service. We're hardwired to help. We're hardwired to make the world a better place. We want to improve our family's situation. We want to improve our communities. And I think that we can do all of those things through starting businesses. So not only do you know, when you start a business, you impact your clients and it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you are a business coach or you're making cookies, you are having an impact on your client's life. So we're having an impact on our client's life. Then you're bringing in revenue and whether it's a full-time revenue or a, or a part-time revenue or a side revenue, you're bringing in revenue to your family. So you're changing, you're changing your family's status, whether that is putting away money for your child's education or making repairs to your house or paying, you know, basic bills, you're making an impact on your family. Also, the more the more revenue that women make and this is why I'm so passionate about working for women, there's research that shows that when when men make money that their families improve, that their, you know, their stat their family status improves, but when women make money, they tend to give back. They tend to give back into the community and they tend to Um, so I think that women can donate to charity. I mean, and not that men don't, of course, I'm not saying that, but I just think when we're talking about this, why we should be starting business, because we can give back to charities that we believe in. We can donate money to our children's schools. We can donate money to political candidates that we want to back. So I really think that, that women are designed to make an impact in the world and entrepreneurship allows us to do that. I love that. 
you know, one of the reasons I love having my own business, and maybe you can speak to this a little bit, is that there is a sense of security in working for yourself. Now, it's also scary as heck, right? I mean, because there's sure. it's terrifying <laughs> sometimes. But there's also a sense of security, you know, working like I do keeping up with what's going on in retail every day, my inbox is full of who's closing today. How many stores are closing today? I got an email, 97 Francesca stores are closing, you know, in the next couple of months. And, uh, actually the direct sales company that I started with when I thought I need to get out of the house and do something for myself, I started selling jewelry, like one of those home party plan kind of things. It Mm -hmm. just went out of business after 35 years. And I thought about my friends and colleagues who worked for that company who now had spent so much building something that it's now just taken from them. And I said to my husband, I said, you know, the one thing I can say is my success or failure depends a lot on me as in, in my business. It's, I'm not beholden right. to investors. If something's not working in my business, I can change it. So for me, there's a real sense of security, even when it's scary. Well, I think the thing is, and I completely agree, And uh, but I think the thing is, is I think that being an entrepreneur and knowing how to run a business stands alone from the thing you're selling. Oh, yeah. So so what I feel about why it's so important for for women to have this skill, exactly what you said. Like if 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 you have kind of one career and one focus and that job goes away, then like you said, you really are dependent on the the market, the industry, the hiring, what's going on in the world to, to replace that. But if you know how to run a business, yeah, you may start out selling cookies. And then if that business doesn't work out, but you've developed marketing skills, you've developed sales skills, you've developed product, you know, product uh, development skills, you've developed all those entrepreneurial skills that you can pivot into the next thing. And depending on what's happening in the world, depending on what's happening in the economy, you have the skill set to pivot into that next um, that next opportunity. And even if that next opportunity is getting a nine to five job, you bring all of those new skills with you when you go back into that, um, you know, corporate environment. Yeah. I mean, it can be a real catch 22 because I think when you get bit by the entrepreneurial bug, all of a sudden everything is a business. Oh, I could start that. Oh, I could sell this. Oh, I could, you know, and you start looking at the world from uh, what kind of business can I start? And my sister and I do this all the time. We call each other with like, I don't know, 10 business ideas a week that we could do. And then we, at the end of the conversation, we say, okay, now put down the phone and get back to work because we have businesses that we need to go do something on. But you do, it just sort of changes your worldview of all the possibilities that you could do. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Which brings me to my next question. Like I said, in the opening of the show, a lot of women that I've met over the years tell me that they would love to own a business. They'd love to start a business, but they have no idea what they would do or how to start, how do we go about finding the right thing? How do we go about, you know, if you want to start a business, but you literally have no idea what that business would be, how do you start to even narrow it down? I love, I love this question. And I think this is so important. And this is, you know, what you were just saying, you and your sister do. And so I think that um, if you can picture, if listeners can picture kind of a Venn diagram, you know, the three overlapping circles. When you are thinking about what business to start, you want to think about something that you are an expert at or that you have a a level of skill at. I think that women are notorious for thinking that we're not experts and that's not true. Like you said at the beginning, um, we're all good at something. So, you know, Mm -hmm. that first circle is what's something that you're good at. Uh, The second circle is what do what does the world need? You know, what 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 is there a market for? And then the third overlapping circle is something that you're passionate about because that's when you're good. Like you said, entrepreneurship is hard. It's not easy. It's it's uh I, I heard a quote once that I loved that entrepreneurs are the only people that will work 80 hours a week to keep from working 40 hours a week. Yes, that's one of my favorite quotes. Right. I love the idea behind that. So entrepreneurship is hard work. So you have to be passionate about it, but you really need all three of those things to overlap for it to be a sustainable business model. And it's, um, it's, it's 
can be called your zone of genius, which is from the book, The Big Leap by Gay Hedricks. Um, so really getting these three things to overlap because you shouldn't just start a business because it's something you enjoy um, or it's something that you're passionate about, because I actually think that that can sometimes ruin your passion for the thing. Um, we mentioned at the beginning that I have a background in fitness. And when I was pregnant, I decided that I should get a prenatal yoga certification because, well, I was pregnant and that would be good. And I could add that into my, you know, I could add that into my repertoire. But what I realized was that I really loved yoga for me. I really, I really loved, it was the thing that I could do as part of my self-care for myself. And just because I loved it, didn't mean I needed to become a teacher. And as soon as I started kind of going down that route of becoming a yoga teacher, it lost that passion for me. It lost that, that real piece of like, wait, no, I just want to be able to show up to a yoga studio where no one knows me. No one's going to ask me to, you know, restock towels or refill the toilet paper because someone didn't show up. <laughs> like, I just want to walk in, yep. take my yoga class and go home. And the same, the same thing happened to me because I'm like you and your sister. I'm constantly thinking of how I can start a business. I made 15 years ago when my husband and I got married, I made my own wedding invitations. And I had so much fun making my wedding invitations. All my bridesmaids came over to the house and we were gluing and tying and putting them all together. So of course, after I got married, I decided, well, I'm going to start selling wedding invitations. <laughs> I'm going to start a wedding invitation uh -huh. business. And uh -huh. the first, the first, uh, first client that I had, which was a free, uh, you know, a friend of a friend who was getting married and I was going to do it for free. And I went, oh wait, no, I loved making my wedding invitations. I don't want, you know, I don't want to make other people's wedding invitations. So really getting clear that just because you love something for yourself, I love crafts and I love paper crafts and things like that. And that I can keep doing that. And I don't have to turn that into a business that it's okay. And I'm saying this to you too, Jennifer, right? Like it's, it's yes. okay to just have a hobby. <laughs> we don't have to yes, turn them all exactly. into a business. But when you have that Venn diagram of this is what's needed in the world, I have a unique spin on it that no one else is doing and I'm really good at it. That's when you have a really viable business. So I want to go back to the circle, the Venn diagram circle, where we write down what we're good at. Yes. Because when I ask women like, okay, what's your favorite body part? Because I really believe in dressing women from the idea of we celebrate the parts we like first and then we cleverly disguise what we don't. But so many times I'll say, what's your favorite body part? And they say, I don't have one. And I'm just imagining women like with a blank Venn diagram taking notes and they can, you know, fill out the second circle and the third circle, but they get to that first one and they say, okay, what am I good at? I'm not good at anything. Mm -hmm. I really feel, and you and I have talked about this, that women don't recognize that the skills they have are special. Yep. That we think everybody, and I've been guilty of this too, like, well, of course, everyone knows how to dress their body type. No, seriously, they don't. I mean, I, I have a business now for, what, eight years, proving that women don't know how to dress their bodies. But in the beginning, I was like, well, why would anyone pay me for this? Because everyone knows this stuff. Right. How do we recognize what we know and what we do well as special? Great. So I have... I have a couple of things that I want to say about this. So first is just exactly what you said. It's a, it's a mindset thing, or it's a, it's, we are just, because we live our lives all day long and we do the thing that we do all day long. It's just like any other skill set. Like I'm pretty good at spatial relations. And so I'm always surprised when I watch someone else, like put things like pack a trunk of a car or put things in the back of a car um, cause I'm like, wait, why did they put that that way? Because I forget that my brain just sees things that way to, you know, and not everyone's brain works that way. So I think it's, it's just acknowledging that it's literally just bringing that it's as, as you are, whoever is listening to this podcast to just say, you know what? Everybody's brain works different ways. Everyone is good at different things. And that means I have to be good at something because everyone is good at something. So it's kind of just coming to that universal realization that we all have different skill sets. And then there's kind of that classic, like, what do your friends, when your friends come to you, what do they ask you? You know, what, what advice do they seek from you? So looking at that, looking yep. again for that red thread, looking for that, that job you had in, in college, 
when you volunteer for an organization, what do they have you do? Do they have you talking to the public? Do they have you making phone calls? Do they have you organizing data? You know, looking at these different scenarios that you've already done in your life, what have been your paid jobs in the past? What have been your different careers? And starting to look for what what are the common denominators? Um, you know, when I was on a committee for my child's elementary school, what was I doing? When I volunteered in college, what was I doing? When I had that job after school, what, even if I was working at a burger joint, like what, what was I good at about that job? So looking at those things and being able to start to kind of aggregate where your skill set is and, and what you are passionate about too. So I think that is, um, you know, is that really big piece is just acknowledging that we all have strengths and then starting to look for some common threads for yours. Yeah. And I just think telling yourself all the time, no, not everybody is good at everything. No, not everybody is good at that because I, I just, I see women all the time who are phenomenal at things, but they say, well, everybody does that. No, mm -mm. I've never been asked to bake a cake for some child's birthday. I will never be asked to bake a cake for any child's birthday. Like that is not a skill I have, but I have some friends who are phenomenal at it. That is unique to them. So I think you just have to keep telling yourself like, nope, I am special at something and not everybody can do this. I think that's a you've got to acknowledge that one first. Right. Well, and that's a great way to do it. The way you just said, it's, it's easy for us to identify. Again, I think this is the patriarchy. And I think this is, this is um, something that females struggle with. I think that it is easier for us to identify things that we're not good at. So if you can identify that you are not great at making a child's birthday cake, then wouldn't it be, if you, if you can identify that you're not the person that's great at making birthday cakes, but someone else is, isn't it a reasonable assumption that that person who is really good at making child's birthday cakes is probably not good at something and someone else in the world is good at that thing. And eventually that comes around back to you that yes, there's things that I am not good at and there are things that I'm good at. Exactly. All right. So I can hear women out there listening to this right now saying and thinking, yes, that's great. I would love to start a business, but I was drowning before my kids were home full time. And I don't know how I would even do that now. So how maybe in a normal time do you balance work, a family, a business, and also especially starting something new right now? What does that look like? I mean, it's one thing to sort of let your established business coast for a little bit, but those early days can be rough without all the added added extra pressure that we're all feeling right now. Right, for sure. And I think it's really important to acknowledge that. And I know I'm feeling it. My kids are Uh, almost 10. My daughter's almost 10 and my son is 12. Um, So they're a little bit older. I don't have toddlers at home. Um, My kids are a little bit more independent. They can make themselves lunch, things like that. And I've really been struggling the last 10 Mm -hmm. months after getting both of my kids kind of in school full time. My son would ride his bike to and from middle school. You know, I had really, I'd really gotten used to what my days looked like. Um, And so I think it's really important that you hear that we hear people say, yeah, you know what, this is hard. Um, So I do want to acknowledge that. But I think that my advice is the same with whatever time you have, and whether that is weird, because your kids aren't going to school, or whether that is the normal time you have, it's getting really intentional with that time. And um, I'm a big fan of time blocking personally, but that doesn't necessarily work for everyone. But I think what is important is des- is deciding when in the day or in the week you're going to work on certain things and when you're not. Um, I know when I started my business, I started my business when my 10 year old was four months old. So I had this, you know, infant in a, you know, car seat next to me. And I would hear these other business owners saying, oh, you know, I just spent the last eight hours, you know, building my website from scratch. (laughs) And I am like, oh my gosh, I'm lucky if I get 20 minutes and I have to pee and pump and eat and at the same time. So I think it's just being really realistic with your time and really intentional with your time. And again, that's if you've got 30 hours a week uninterrupted, or if you've got pieces of time because your child goes to preschool only two hours, two days a week, or because you're distance learning 
while your kids are out of school. So, or you have a full-time job, maybe you're working a nine to five right now, five days a week. And so then what does starting a business look like? So I think the next piece of that is starting, I was going to say it's okay to start small, but but it's not even that it's okay to start small. You absolutely should start small, but you should start quickly. I think people get so hung up on, well, I need a logo and I need a business name and I need a website and I need this and I need that. And I have to invest all this money. And you do not need all of that to start a business. And yes, there's some legal pieces that you want to kind of wrap up you know, before you're actually selling services, depending on what you're selling, whether that's insurance or whatever it is that you need. But I think so many people, you, you have a limited amount of time and then you're spending all of that time getting ready to launch your business. And so I want to really encourage people, you know, start before you're ready. You know, we've heard that before, start before you're ready. And the other quote that I love is clarity comes through action. And so if you want to start a cookie business, you don't need a website. You don't need a logo. You don't need a name. You don't need order forms. You need to call up a couple of friends and say, listen, I want to start a cookie business. Will you pay me to make a dozen cookies for your child's birthday party? Like you need to just start selling, (laughs) like just start selling. And the fastest path to cash is always going to be some type of one-to-one interaction So even if you have visions of, I'm going to create an online course and hundreds of people are going to sign up for it, that's great. Test it first. Test it first one-on-one with someone, whether that's making cookies for one family, whether that is, you know, selling one-on-one personal training services, whether that's designing one person's website, and then all of the rest comes from there. And once you've worked, it's like my uh, wedding invitation business. If I would have spent six months creating a website and doing all of the work and then got my first client and went, oh, wait, I don't want to do this anymore. I would have wasted all of that time and money. So test it out, test it out first. Then you're going to know, okay, this is how I want to work with clients. This is how I don't want to work with clients. Now I have got some revenue coming in. Now I can invest in the website, in the, you know, the logo and all the things. Yeah, because I think if you just spend all your time waiting to be ready and waiting to be perfect, what you're going to do is psych yourself out. 100%. You know, because you'll never be ready. You'll never be perfect, ever, ever. If I waited till I was ready, I still wouldn't have a business and it's eight years. So you just, you got to just start and not psych yourself out. And like you said, if you don't like to do it, that's a better thing to learn quickly. Right just get it out of the way. You make cookies and you go, wait a minute, I hate baking. Why am I doing this? Even if it's something you're good at, if you hate doing it for other people, like you said, it's better to know that early. I want to go back to something you said though, because um, you have a zone of genius and I did not put this in my list of questions I was going to ask you. So I hope this is okay. But what is time blocking for those who don't know? Right. Yeah. So time blocking. So, and thank you for, you know, this is a, this is a perfect example of where you think, okay, everyone's heard of this term, right? But, but, but everyone hasn't. You can kind of think about the way your high school schedule was, right? Where you had science for an hour and then you had a five minute break and then you went to math for an hour and then you had a five minute break. And it's really setting up your day and week similarly so that you're grouping instead of task switching. We've all kind of heard the research that we're not very good at multitasking. We're not very good at task switching. So it's really just making decisions about your day and about your week of when you do different things. And I think this is especially important for moms because we're pulled in so many different directions, not just with our businesses, but with our home too. And so you have a scenario where, you know, maybe again, if our children ever go back to school, but where you've dropped your child off at school and well, now you're in the car. So maybe you'll just run to the grocery store and pick up something. And then, oh gosh, there's some dry cleaning in the car. Let me just drop that off. And then I want to get home. And then you see that there's an email that came in from a potential client that you want to reply to. And then you were supposed to write a blog post and you're just kind of randomly working through this task list. And that's when you get to the end of the day and you're either exhausted But you also think, what did I actually accomplish today? And so I really like to be a little more intentional with my time where I know that I'm always going to run errands on Friday. So I start to plan, like if the dry cleaning needs to be dropped off or if I need to pick up dog food, I'm going to do it on Friday. And I start to just compartmentalize my day and week 
a little more like that. So if I have a lot of emails to return, I'm going to wait and return all the emails at the same time at 4 p.m. I do a lot of one-on-one calls with my clients. I try to schedule those all for either a Tuesday or a Thursday because then then I just get into the groove. I've had calls all, you know, it's a Tuesday that we're recording this. I've had calls all morning. I can just get into that groove. And I can also tell myself, I'm not going to get a lot done off my to-do list on a day like today because I'm focused on something else. And so I don't get to the end of the day and say, oh, I'm not productive. I didn't get anything done. I didn't cross a single thing off my to-do list because that's the mean voice in our head. That's what it says to us. Instead, we have those different times. We have those times blocked out when we're doing our self-care, when we're going to our yoga classes. I am notorious. I don't know if you're, if this is you, Jennifer, but I have to block out time to eat lunch or I'll just blow right through it. So if I've got that time blocked out on my schedule, then it helps me be more realistic with what I can fit in to a day or into a week. I love that. And no, I do not have to block off time for lunch. I, a lot of times I actually just forget about it and then it'll be two thirty, three o'clock and I'll go, oh, I should eat something. But no, I try and actually have lunch with my kids yeah. now that they are doing the, um, you know, online school and their lunch break is roughly the same time. That's a good time for us to kind of connect in the kitchen. I love that. Back in March, we were, we were taking brain breaks and we were playing cards at lunch, just simple card games. And it was really, really fun. We should, we should actually get back to that, but no, that. forgetting lunch is not a thing I do. Well, I don't forget to eat. Let's be clear. Let's be clear. But I'm usually like shoving food in my mouth while I'm still like, you know, still typing away. Yeah. Or I find myself, it's like 3.30 and I'm eating lunch and then it's time for dinner and I'm like, I'm not hungry. Exactly. It's just, it's a mess. But I want to talk about your other zone of genius for a moment. And you mentioned it in your bio. So I feel okay asking about it. Tell us about post-it notes, Megan, and the magic of post-it notes for, (laughs) for you and for business owners. Talk to us about the post-it note. Oh my gosh. Well, again, I could talk about post-it notes. A whole notes show. I know for, it could be a whole show. You know, for a whole show just about post-it notes. But here is my favorite my favorite thing about post-it notes. First of all, this kind of goes back to, again, I was so stressed out about you asking me my like style questions. Um, but this kind of goes back to maybe it's my personality, this like pop of surprise. So one of the things that I love about post-it notes is they're just not so serious. And there's all these apps and computer programs and spreadsheets and all of these things that really do help when we're running a business or just running our lives. But I love post-it notes because they're just bright colored and they're fun and they're vibrant. And if you write something down and you don't want to do it, you just crumple it up. So I think there's, there's, there's that element to post-it notes that it just, it's that pop of surprise. It just breaks up your day. It makes your day a little bit more interesting and it helps you switch I use my post-it notes for planning and it helps you switch from kind of that right brain to left brain. It helps you get into that little bit more of that creative space. Again, whereas a spreadsheet is a little more, you know, rigid. So if I am planning something, whether I'm planning out something for my business, if I'm, you know, launching a a product or a service, or I'm running a free webinar, or even if I'm planning out you know, a a home remodel or a party or anything that I want to plan out, I grab a stack of post-it notes and I just start brainstorming all of the things that need to happen. And I write one thing per post-it note and stick it on the table or on the wall. Um, So each thing I can think of like, okay, well, I have to send that email and then I have to reach out to so-and-so and I have to get this done. I have to create the invite list and I have to find the invitations. And I just write everything on one post-it note. Then once I have all the post-it notes spread out in front of me, it's really easy to start organizing. So I can start moving the post-it notes and put them in chronological order. So then that helps me really see, okay, these are all of the things that need to be done and this is the order they need to be done in. And then I can start to assess. I can say, wow, I have three days to do this and there's 40 post-it notes here. Is that very realistic? And so then I can decide to either slim down the project by removing some of the post-it notes, or I can decide, you know what, it's not going to get done in the next three days. I need six days to do these 40 post-it notes, or I need, you know, four weeks to do these post-it notes. So again, they're really, they're really um, agile. You can move them around. You can add in if you realize, oh, I forgot a step. You can just write a new post-it note and stick it in, you know, where it fits in the plan. 
And I just love it because it's super visual. I usually map things out either on my big table or on my wall so that I can kind of see that big picture. And then once I have the plan in place, then I can move it into the piece of technology. I can move it into the spreadsheet or I can move it into the piece of software or whatever it is. But it just really helps me get away from a device, disconnect, and just kind of get in touch with, you know, use my, use my brain and my creativity to plan out that project. I love it. You've gotten me hooked on the post-it notes and this system that you just walked us through. I will admit when I'm working on something new, my office looks a little bit like a beautiful mind, you know, that movie with John Nash. Oh my gosh. I use that. I use that reference all the time. Yeah. <laughs> all I need is like some red string and some Red arrows. string. Exactly. <laughs> but it really helps. Sometimes I notice that I'm getting overwhelmed by like all the tasks I have to do, all the post-it notes, and I just sort of stop like, okay, well, you know, Maybe not. this isn't all necessary. And it is, it's a great visual, visual representation. So thank you. It's just that visual reminder and it gets things out of your head. You know, our brains are not a great place to store information. So getting everything out of your head where you can kind of analyze it. And like you said, you're like, this is too many post-it notes. I yeah. need to remove some of these. It can yeah. be a helpful way to do it. So I hope that this conversation has inspired at least a couple of women to take the plunge, start a business, try something new, but I'm not going to lie. Starting a business is really, it's tough. It's hard. What advice can you give to women who are thinking about it? And even more specifically, what are some of the common mistakes you see women make when starting a business, especially the ones that can be easily avoided? Like what are the mistakes women don't have to make? The big mistake that people make is that they feel like there's more prep work to do to starting a business than there really is. I see people spend a lot of time focusing on and paying a lot of money up front to focus on like your website yeah. and your logo and having business cards printed and things like that. And, and I think that you need to get a little further down the road before you know what that stuff is. And there are lots of really successful people that, you know, that don't have a website or have kind of a crappy website. So don't feel like you need this perfect website before you can get started. And I think that is just kind of the metaphor for a start before you're ready to. Yeah. So do, do you know that I started my business with a hundred dollars? Yeah. I love that. That was my, that was my investment. I spent $50 on Craigslist to have someone make me a logo. And it was terrible. Honestly, it looked, you know, my first business was called Apple and Pear Wardrobe. And it looked more like a, I was selling fruit than wardrobe styling services. And I spent $50 like getting a website and I did my own. And it was so terribly ugly. And my logo was so terribly ugly. But I was so busy for the first two years, I didn't have time to fix it. Yeah. And finally, you know, I kind of had a lull and I was like, yeah, we need to kind of you know, zhuzh up the image here a little bit, but it is a testament to the idea that you don't have to have, I see women stressing out about business cards. What a waste of time and money business cards are. Right. I mean, especially, yeah, especially now in, in this kind of digital age. Yeah. But even like you hand someone your business card, they're just going to throw it away and look you up on the right. internet when, when they need you or when they think about you. I honestly think a better thing to do is create a little kind of graphic on your phone that you can text mm. to somebody like a little digital business card, because then they have it in their phone. They've got your contact information. But if you are not starting your business because you don't have a good business card. Right. Exactly. Stop. Just, just move on. Is there anything else that women are hung up on that, or, you know, mistakes they make that, that are really easily avoided? I think the other thing, and again, we've kind of touched on this before, but I think the other thing is even just thinking like, why would anyone hire me? Like there's a million people that sell cookies. There's a million stylists. There's a million business coaches. Like what, what do I have to offer that's any different? Or, or this person is so much more established. They've got such a more beautiful website than I do. Why would anyone hire me? And I think that, you know, I always say, think about your favorite, you know, restaurant. Think about your favorite ethnic restaurant. And what if that business owner had said, well, there's a ton of other sushi restaurants. I'm not going to open mine. And there's room. There is the law of abundance. There is room for all of us. And you bring a secret sauce. That's that Venn diagram. You bring a secret sauce that there can be a million other web designers or a million other stylists or a million other business coaches. And you will bring a unique 
spin to it that your unique clients will want. And so don't get hung up thinking that the market is already saturated or no one, you know, no one will ever, why would they hire you if they could hire this other person? I think that's a big mistake that holds people back. I love that. All right. Final question that I like to ask all my guests is what would you like our listeners to take away from our conversation? Are there one or two things you really want our style sisters to walk away with? I think, you know, we've talked about so many great things today, but I, I think if the one thing that you walk away with is this idea that you do have time, whatever it is that you want to do, whether it's starting a side hustle, whether it's volunteering in your community, whether it's writing a book, whether it's, it's uh, improving your wardrobe, like literally whatever the thing is, we put off so much because we say, oh, well, it's really busy right now, or there's a lot going on right now, or gosh, things are kind of crazy with my kids distance learning right now. As soon as things calm down, then I'll do that thing. And I just want to really encourage you to take one tiny, tiny step. It doesn't have to be everything. It doesn't have to be all the steps, but what is just one tiny, tiny, you know, get out a notebook and write down your business idea, you know, grab the, grab your phone and type, type a text to a friend and say, Hey, I'm thinking about, you know, selling some of my cookies. What do you think? Like do take one tiny step to move that business forward. And that kind of goes back to the post-it notes. It's just like, it's just one one little thing written on that post-it note that you can do to move this big idea that you have forward. Love that. That is really good advice because we can't do all the things, but we can always do one tiny little thing. Megan, tell us where we can find you on the internet. You can find me at letscollective.co and letscollective.co on Instagram as well. And I would love to interact with any of the listeners. Please come find me on Instagram, DM me. Uh, head over to my website, check check things out, and I'd, I'd love to connect with you. Love that. So you also have a course on Post-it Notes. Is that right? Yes. So if you head to my website, if you go to letscollective.co forward slash tiny empire shop, or just go to the website and you can click on the link, um, there is a course called Make It Stick. <laughs> so a little, oh, little play on what the Post-it Notes do, but it's a whole course on how to use Post-it Notes to project plan. So how to make your project stick. All right. We're going to put that link and all of your links in the show notes on our website so that people can find them. And I'm telling you, ladies, post-it notes can change your life. Megan, thank you again for your time and for sharing your knowledge with us. Thank you so much for having me. It was really fun. Have a stylish week, ladies, and I'll see you next time. Class is dismissed for today, but the conversation doesn't have to end. Head over to youreverydaystyle.com forward slash podcast for show notes, freebies, and links to connect with me on social media. And if the Everyday Style School podcast is making style easier and more fun for you, it would make my day if you would subscribe to the show, leave a review, and share it with your friends so women everywhere can have more fun with style. I'll see you next time. And until then, stay stylish.